0: Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to
1: the Tech Cat Show. And this is a very exciting show because we're actually going to be kicking off about a three-month series that is focused on a number of Leading advisors who come from Silicon Valley as well as Hollywood, who are all involved with a really interesting festival that I'm helping to curate called the Infinity Festival, which is happening in early November in Hollywood. And it literally takes over a block in Hollywood where we have um, two and a half days almost of panels and exhibit halls and all sorts of other goodies. And sort of in a March to um that event, um I have the opportunity to interview a lot of the participants of that show who are again are all leading advisors in this interesting collision between Silicon Valley and Hollywood. And so our very first guest um, today as part of this three month series is Jonas Hudson who is um with Green Face Fence Consumer and Jonas is the, is an entrepreneur. He's the co founder of Green Friends Consumer, which provides blockchain solutions for grocery, consumer packaged goods, and entertainment companies. And blockchain is going to be a big discussion at the Infinity Festival, as it's a big discussion in a lot of um, business conversations right now. So let's have a big Tech Cat welcome, the first Infinity Festival interview. Jonas Hudson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
2: Thank you very much, Lori. What a wonderful intro.
1: <laughs> the crowd always goes wild for you, Jonas, I don't understand it. so so first um you're you're an advisor on the Infinity Festival. It's the festival's um, second year. and I know you just made a whole series of announcements about some really cool things that we're going to be doing at the festival with the blockchain and a lot of the things that you're doing. But give us um, a background on you first. And how you came to uh, create Green Fence, and then we can jump into what you're doing at the festival.
2: So, uh, thanks, Lori. Um, for years, I have been trying to look at different ways to distribute content and use brands to kind of fuel that content distribution. So, er- early days, I used to work at New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers in mainly distribution and marketing uh, channels. And uh, th- back in the early days, the pre-iphone days, there was these things called ringtones. So I jumped ship, um, set my sails into the ringtone business, and uh, actually hooked up with, of all people, Shug Knight um, and the Death Row catalog, and we were able to push out uh, ringtones to about thirty countries around the world, um, working with different mobile carriers, you know, globally. And I was, as I was doing this execution and, and watching uh, how people were just you know living off of their cell phones. When I came back to the States, where we still didn't even uh, – everyone was still on a BlackBerry, basically. Um, I realized that the future of content distribution was going to be into the mobile handset. And I ended up selling that company uh, to one of our distribution partners and created a, another company that's focused uh, on what we thought – was the least technical area, uh, the least tech savvy, the least, uh, and and the one that needed the most growth in tech. Um, we focused on the grocery channel. We saw it about six or seven years ago as a as a space where it was being underused. There's, you know, obviously everyone has to eat, so you're looking at shoppers in and out of these uh, facilities at an average about two and a half times a week. Um, and actually, if you if you focus on the, the immigrant shoppers, uh, specifically the Hispanic shopper base, you're looking at 26 times a month. Um, they're going in and out of, uh, the physical grocery location. So we took, we thought we looked at the opportunity and said, if we could deliver content through grocery and have the brands fuel it, we can kind of change the direction of where Hollywood and the music industry was going, which was basically to a race to, uh, race to the bottom. And what I mean by that is that when the music business was uh, hammered and destroyed by uh, the early days of Napster and the file sharing companies, um, and then as we watched the film business uh, start to erode in front of our eyes, uh, and I mean simply if you ask any kid in the, in the United States or the world for that matter, what's a movie worth, they'll typically say around nine bucks a month. And that's for all the movies you can eat because Netflix has just commoditized the film business. And so we were looking at ways to put more dollars back into the IP holders' hands by doing programs at Grocery where brands could fund the distribution. And then one day, um, this little thing called Bitcoin showed up, and we yeah. had- <laughs> stared at it <laughs> at Bitcoin and said, uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but it's on this thing called the blockchain And I kind of get that, and we we kept our eye on it until uh, something kind of uh, evolved from it called Ethereum. And it was the first crypto uh, asset, if you will, that enabled what's called a smart contract to be layered underneath it. And we put two and two together and said, well, coupons and rebates are contracts. Why don't we put coupons and rebates onto the blockchain? Um, and then tie something else that's a little fun with it called collectibles, digital collectibles. And so without getting into too much detail on all that, we can talk later if you're interested, but that is the epi- the, the impetus of how GreenFed's consumer was started. We've, we've simply put coupons, rebates, and collectibles on the blockchain to enable brands and IP holders to distribute content where there's no fraud, where you can control a budget, and more importantly, the unbanked or the underbanked um, can participate for the first time. That's the business,
1: right? Right. That and that's that's the beautiful thing that everyone is is talking about with blockchain is the transparency and what it's going to bring to people that that um, you know don't have uh, sort of the standard set of ID or criteria to plug into mainstream services um, globally. Right, so that, that's the most exciting thing about it. And what what have you seen since you launched this whole thing? I mean, has, has there been tremendous uptake? Are people asking a lot of questions? like what's, what's been some of the trends that have bubbled out of all of this? Yeah, so we, we've been interestingly
2: quiet initially. Um, we, we, we launched about two years ago our first blockchain asset uh, within a division of, a couple divisions of Kroger. And we simply dropped some tokens into the hands of the, uh, the Kroger, some of the Kroger consumer base and said, hey, you know, here's six tokens. If you earn three more, you'll get a free movie ticket. And we gave them two ways to do it. They could send them to friends, or they can buy a 12-pack of Heineken beer, which will unlock a $3 rebate, and they have a choice to take it in $3 that could be either sent to PayPal or the bank account, or $3 in tokens. So- and that's it we didn't say the word blockchain we didn't say the word crypto we didn't say the word uh, ethereum we kept we kept as far as humanly possible away from these words we wanted to um first show that we could take a crypto asset to the masses without bugging the the poor mass consumer to learn all these new fancy you know tech words and so right
1: cuz it's so intimidating to so many of them right well, yeah, and it, it. Well, I mean, first of all, the word
2: Ethereum is no offense to Ethereum. Uh, Vitalik, who created it, probably won't like it when I say this, or Joe Lubin, but it's just not the best sounding word, right? And so, in a marketing campaign, if you say, "Hey, we're you're, we're now on the Ethereum blockchain," that's like uh, telling the masses, like, uh, you know." Are you on your S three Amazon Web Cloud Service or something of that nature? It just it's just rocket science that doesn't need to be delivered. And I, we always use this as a as a parallel. When we go into a room and someone says, "Well, how do we talk to the masses?" and we say, "Well, let me ask you this: When someone clicks on a web page, do you know how it goes from one page to the next?" And they all say, "No." I said, "Then don't worry about blockchain. Just don't even worry about it. It's this- right." <laughs> it, in the background, and dust it off. So, so anyway, the long short story short is we, uh, we got a bunch of people kind of calling us fools. Like, Hey, th- these guys are fools because I was able to take, uh, I was able to set up a second account at my house and send three tokens to my husband and boom, we got nine tokens and we got a free movie ticket. And we loved that because we were able to prove that we could have assets being sent from point A to B. Um, and then the other group, said, so this is great. I buy a 12-pack of Heineken and I get a free movie ticket. So in essence, it's like getting either a free pack of 12-pack or a free movie ticket. And so that's how we got our feet wet. And from that moment, we began to slowly integrate different campaigns. Um, we've worked with T-Mobile on their, T- their T-Mobile Tuesday platform to, be, to load a uh, – and an, I'm going to say it again – a crypto coupon <laughs> into a digital wallet on the blockchain um, but the customer again has no idea. They simply unlock this coupon that's loaded to their card all the way down to the POS system. So when they walk in to pick up the item, it's it's as they check out, it's already uh, in their uh, in their POS basket, and they don't have to do any other extra steps. And that's the key here. I think the blockchain is the first technology, and I'm again I'm talking on coupons and rebates. So I'll get into the cool stuff in a second, but it's the first technology. That truly wraps a DRM platform around an asset. And, that- and, when, and
1: when you say DRM, just for folks that
2: don't play in this world. Digital rights management, meaning that there's only one coupon or only one crypto asset, one of a kind, unique. And this is important because a lot of brands have been incredibly hesitant to jump into the digital coupon rebate or collectibles business because of outright fraud and theft. Uh, it's a billion-plus problem right now in the United States. and Worldwide, it's even more so. Um, brands are just – not only are they hesitant, but they're also scared because guessing what the fulfillment is going to be could be a budget buster. I mean, imagine being a shopper marketer and you're, you're from Heineken and you've got uh, $200,000 to spend in the San Diego area, for example, and you launch a digital coupon and it does too well. And you end up spending $250,000. Well, you've just blown your budget. you potentially blown your bonus. So with crypto, you can stop a coupon in its tracks and really comfortably enable brands to execute, which leads me into the collectible part. And that's kind of the fun part. Because coming from the studios and coming from the music business, we were always looking for a way to wrap digital rights management around content. And it's just it's been impossible, obviously. Anybody can steal a movie. Anybody can steal a track, and they can move on their merry way. But with crypto, if you can make a unique item, a unique asset—one of ten or two of ten—you've now created value. You've also created scarcity, and between value and scarcity, you've got now what collectors want. And this isn't new. I mean, we 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 basically benchmarked this from the 25 years or 30 years plus of video gamers. The gamers have been trading skins, trading weapons, buying guns, buying this, that, or the other, um, and paying, you know, uh, big, uh, hefty prices, if you will, for it. I mean, if you look at Fortnite, um, even in my own household, people are building up uh, and selling uh, dance moves and whatnot. and And people that are above the age of 30 think it's insanity, but... <laughs> That's if they continue to think that way, they're going to lose out on what this trend is going to do. It's going to it's going to change the way um, digital assets are collected and traded, and the blockchain is is in, as far as I'm concerned the only thing that works in this in this space.
1: And you're seeing because um, you mentioned all these customers. You're seeing even an older demographic really be able to wrap their heads around this because I totally get this digital asset thing being natural to digital natives, so millennials and younger. But are you seeing Gen X and Boomers and and even traditionalists who are in their 70s wrap their heads around all of this?
2: Yeah, I'll give you a good example.
1: We were at Comic Con a
2: couple uh, two weeks ago, and we worked we work with um, Joe Dante, who's kind of a mentor and leader in the in the in the world of film, obviously movies, movies like Piranha and The Howling and Gremlins and interspace and on and on and on. Um, Joe has legions of young directors and filmmakers that kind of follow his lead and look up to him as far as everything from what he's done in the past to what he's doing in the future. And at Comic-Con, he launched a, a comic book series called American She-Wolf that as far as we're concerned or as far as we know is one of the first to be distributed via um, via the blockchain launched at Comic-Con and you're looking at a a subsect or a new genre of collectors that they've been they've been collecting you know physical items for years but they've never been able to collect for example an asset in a video game if they don't play the game so if you're playing World of Warcraft or you're playing uh, Skylanders, or you're playing anything for that matter. If you don't play the game, you can't collect the asset. And then more importantly, if you buy an asset from somebody that could be using the game, you can't remove that asset. And so, so unfortunately, the, the value of the assets are pegged into this kind of walled garden. But now with the blockchain, if you can start to export as, assets out, not only is it going to drive revenue and value for the video game makers because you've got assets collecting on the, on the blockchain in a public space um, that'll generate more revenue for them, but you're getting new collectors. And so you're seeing for the first time, these kind of non-millennial post or uh, old millennial. I don't know. If old is a good <laughs>
1: How
2: about Gen Xers?
1: <laughs>
2: you've seen Gen Xers um, uh, that are collectors for the first time, really able to to collect in the digital space, and and that is why the growth in the digital collectibles marketplace. If you look at any stat or or read about from any um, influencer, they're going to tell you that the the numbers are absolutely exploding right now, and their projections growth are uh, are growing leaps and bounds.
1: Huh. Uh, that That's kind of amazing, and, and you don't have to do a lot of explaining and storytelling that you normally have to do with new tech rollouts because it's so sort of contextual to the behavior that's already happening.
2: Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, there, I'll give you a couple case studies. Um, we, we launched last year around this time um, with Fox and Marvel a Deadpool 2 uh, uh, digital collectible series. And I have to give credit to Fox, they were, they were, they were definitely uh, learning as we were, as we were working with them on exactly what the blockchain was and, and how it's going to change the way assets are delivered and traded and so on and so forth. Um, so they, they liked the concept of these smart contracts because it enabled us to be able to control the asset. And we were able to say, all right, well, let's give these away as promotional assets and we'll put a contract underneath them that says that we're not allowed to trade them – well, I'm sorry, we're not allowed to let users trade or sell those for a locked window of time. And so in the film space, uh, for years we've been windowing content. And especially in the promotion space, you typically have deals with the talent, with the actors, with – I'm sorry, with the – with with the managers and the lawyers and so on and so forth, that this particular asset, be it a poster, a DVD, even a theatrical 35-millimeter print, um, all have different windowed um, uh, contracts that are kind of layered under them. So if you could take that same module and put it into what's called a smart contract and say, okay, this asset can't be traded for six months or can't be sold for nine months, you have just made the film partners and film companies and IP brand holders incredibly happy because they can now have control over these assets. And tech has never allowed this until the blockchain. Um, and more importantly, uh, the blockchain now enables these brands to make generate revenue off of these for the first time, whereas an asset that used to be maybe a, an image, a JPEG, or uh, whatever, would just be passed around, trade it around, and it just disappears in the ether, and the brand just tracks that up to marketing, now they can actually generate revenue. And so what happened was when the Deadpool assets were allowed to go to the public chain, they started selling between $18 and $35, then $500, and now they're selling in the thousands of dollars. And this is literally just JPEGs. Um, and so people that aren't interested, that don't understand the space, look at this and go, this is insanity. Whereas the younger and more uh, current, if you will, mobile mobile users are running around going, no, this is value. And and I just equate it simply to the fact that if you're a Gen Xer or above, you grew up with physical objects. You walked around with your baseball cards in a physical, you know, uh folder set, or you... Or, or if you're a Beanie Baby collector, you had a whole, a whole room devoted to Beanie Babies. Well, now kids specifically are running around the streets, going, "Look how many Instagram followers I have," or "I have a blue check on Twitter," or "I have the following." And so, if your entire collectible life now is held within the palm of their hands, it's a game changer. And so, if you if, if the world doesn't see this uh, then, sorry, brands and and IP owners don't see this, they're going to lose out. Because right now, it's the moment where Hollywood, IP, and brands can actually control their messaging and show trust, transparency, and provenance all the way through using the blockchain.
1: That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we have to take a little break. But when we come back, I want to find out, so how does this all tie into... This big event happening in November, the Infinity Festival, how does it connect back to that? I I know you made um, actually an announcement at Comic-Con about what you're doing with this um, at this festival. So when we come back, we'll dig into that and more um, as Jonas Hudson ties together storytelling, technology, all together in a, a beautiful bow, making consumers very happy, making content creators very happy. So we'll be back in a moment. With Jonas, who is the co-founder of Green Fence Consumer, which provides blockchain solutions for grocery, consumer packaged goods, and entertainment companies. We'll be back in a moment.
0: From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv.
1: Hi, everybody, and we are back. And we have launched a really um, interesting set of interviews that I'm going to be doing over the next three months as a march to this big, exciting event that I'm working on called the Infinity Festival, which is basically taking Silicon Valley and Hollywood and putting them together. And it's all about enabling storytelling through technology. And so to kick off the series, we've been talking to Jonas Hudson, who's one of the co-founders of green fans and and jonas has been filling us in on how the blockchain is being used in his world to really provide digital assets to consumers but ones that they can really use and that they're using in a way that's not overwhelming because it's some new crazy tech so i know you you as a infinity festival advisor are planning to roll out some really interesting uses of this same type of digital asset technology and behavior um, at the Infinity Festival. And you made some announcements recently, so can you, can you fill us in on what's happening?
2: Yeah, so uh, the Infinity Festival, first off, has been a, a great platform, not just for my company, but for just all the partners involved. Uh, you've got Mark and Nick, the founders of the of the the festival, have put together a pretty eclectic group. I mean, you've got your your you know your Dells and your Intels and your Mastercards and Amazons, all mixed with the studios and unique brand holders. So it's 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 a great place to like get a lot of work done, if you will, in in a short period of time because you got everybody that you need to talk to right in the same area for the, for forty eight seventy two hours, and That's so cool. What's fun about it, too, is there's a public uh, piece to it as well to not just, you know, kick out the public from some of the cool stuff that's happening. So, you know, if the public want to see a launch of a new virtual reality piece or, not, or a launch of a new AR piece, they can actually come into this festival. And that's what, I, that's what drew me to it. So we were talking, and I'm going to go back to, to Joe. Uh, Joe Dante, who is involved with a project called Trailers from Hell. Also has a podcast called The Movies That Made Me with a partner um, named Josh Olson. Josh is uh, pretty famous for uh, writing the screenplay History of Violence, amongst many others. Um, yep. And these guys have done, I don't know, 50 plus podcasts with the likes of Bill Hader and John Landis and, and you name it. They they pretty much can make a phone call and they get some of the top Hollywood talent both young and old into their, into their podcasts. And so we thought it would be a great idea to take the podcasts, embed them at the festival. Uh, I think we're planning to do three of them in in a day. So, you know, one at like uh, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock and two o'clock, something of that nature. Um, But then what we're going to do is tie something unique with it. Um, The podcasts, uh, because of the, the, directors and, and actors behind the camera and whatnot that are there, we're going to have an autograph signing session, but we're going to do it in a unique way. We're going to have a, a digital crypto twin package. And what that means is that <laughs> if you look at autographs and, or you look at basically anything pre-blockchain, and I, this, is, this is me, I call it ABC and BBC. So BBC before blockchain and ABC after blockchain um anything bbc or before blockchain unfortunately has zero transparency trust uh, associated with it and it, it's kind of sad but the wine business especially the high end wine business is a disaster there is fakes and frauds everywhere uh there is reports that the stuff that trades on ebay uh you're looking at 60 to 70% of it's fraudulent um i mean they even think the mona lisa that you that everyone fl- you know goes to every time that they're in paris may or may not be the actual right one. They might have the real one buried in the chamber. So you just don't know. And the reason why is because there's, they've never put these physical assets tied to a smart contract onto the chain. And so what we're doing is we're going to have autograph sessions where people will have a, a very simple wallet on their handset. And for example, Joe Dante would have a wallet. And so when he signs an autograph and hands it, there will also be a crypto signature that goes with it. And that physical item and that crypto signature are kind of married to each other. Um, and, and with, I don't want to get into too much detail, but it's not what we call stickers on boxes. It's not like we're putting a QR code on it. It's not like we're putting a sticker verification on it because at the end of the day, that doesn't work. It's fraud written. Um, and and people always complain about that and say, well, What do you mean? You know, you put that on this and it's tied to the digital. And I always say, yeah, so the mobster that takes the box of tomatoes at the port decides to change the QR code to benefit him. Do you think that there's going to be, I mean, it's easy to do, right? And so the only way to have a crypto twin in the physical space is to have trust and transparency starting directly from the IP rights holder. And so the Infinity Festival will be the kickoff to this, they will be again, uh, as far as I know, um, the first place where you're going to be able to get your your digital crypto twin, um, and it'll be just a great fun experience, not just for the the business side of the the festival, but also for the consumers off the street who can walk in and legitimately collect something of value and be able to then sell it down the road. And one last note to this, and why this is I, I think incredibly important. What we do with these smart contracts is we enable the IP holder to generate revenue beyond the first sale. And that is rarely, if ever, happened in Hollywood. So imagine the asset being traded from when Joe hands it to the first user. So Joe being generation zero and that next user being generation one. If that user determines to sell it to somebody else for, say, $100, a piece of that revenue will go back to Joe, in perpetuity every time huh. it's sold. So, That's so
1: cool. So so it encourages content creators to want to be involved because they're protected.
2: And not just that. I remember working at Warner Brothers, where I would I would be told, "Hey, can you go down to the the dreaded archives, which was covered with spider webs, and you name it, to pull out you know a a black and white of Caddyshack or." or a a film poster of 2001 or whatever it is, these beautiful historical objects rarely have been uh, uh, kind of organized and put together because typically a studio never generated money on this. They would typically bring in an intern or bring in a consulting company that would explain to them, hey, this is how we're going to digitize your assets. This is how we're going to manage them. This is where we're going to put them. It sounds all good, until there's like, well, here's your price. And the studios are like, "Uh, we don't, we don't have a budget for that. We'll put our intern on it. Then the intern gets another job. and next thing you know, you've got silos in the studios, you know, theatricals over here and home videos over here and music's over here. And they might've started these little categorizations, but never finished them. And I guess one of the tragedies that you'll, you'll, you're, that's that we're all being made aware of right now is when the the stage in at Universal just burnt down a couple of years back, and we are just now learning the masters that were in there that were probably not even properly catalogued but now are getting their universal is getting sued for because no one spent the time to do it correctly and so now, if you can put a revenue model behind it, everything changes, and now we as a as a as a film historian group as a collectors group as a as a the ability to generate revenue whatever you want to call it there is now reasons for every person in the ecosystem and every uh, member of the, or part of the company to get this done and it's all due to the blockchain providing providence trust and transparency.
1: Huh. So um, what I like about this also cuz this is um, s- sort of setting up this conversation that we're going to be happening at the having at the festival which is you know Enabling um, the industry to move forward through technology, and not just like the back end, but the consumer experience as well. And so, do you see other trends under this banner of uh, storytelling being enabled by technology that will be so sort of tied into the Infinity Festival, also also happening, rolling out over the next six months? Like, just as someone who's watching all of this happen, what are some of the other? Technology trends that you see that are really going to be impacting storytelling
2: so with with the festival itself, I think that I think the biggest trend and I, I still can't put my finger on exactly how dangerous or how amazing it's going to be um, for for the world of storytelling it's it's artificial intelligence and when AI is improperly used. You're getting deep fakes, and you're getting uh, just things that shouldn't occur, right? With tech, um, you can you can really abuse it. But on the on the not, on the better side of it, um, if you're ma- if you're working with AI and blockchain, you've now changed the way storytelling can not only be created but also monetized, and I think that's the key. Uh, you can go on the internet today and you can find some fantastic deep fakes. There's a great one. I believe it's Keanu Reeves taking on some people in a circle K. Obviously it's not Keanu, but the, uh, the artists did a great job of taking his his face and, and using the right algorithms and creating these fantastic GANs. Or I, I forget exactly what that stands for. But these generative, I think, adversarial networks. It, basically it looks like Keanu as he's beating up people. In a circle (laughs) thing, and and it's fantastic, and you know that's good stuff. But now, could we monetize that? And so, it's cute and it's fun, um, but if we could actually monetize it by taking these assets and using the blockchain as okay, these are approved by and vetted by uh, the facial organization of the Keanu Reeves Society that allows Keanu's face to be used across multiple. Um, say uh, pieces of collective digital artwork, be it movies, be it film, be it photos, whatever. Now, Keanu um, can approve and disapprove, or more importantly, generate revenue off of all of these. And I'm not saying him taking 70%, 80%. We're taking a small sliver of a cut of each one of these. But now it'll allow the growth of AI based f- filmmakers to go in and do crazy cool things. I mean, I mean, I, th- this might sound like heresy, but they could take Casablanca and actually bring in modern actors to be, you know, to do to do the film, or they can take uh, uh, just anything that you could dream of, as long as there's a revenue model and as long as it's approved by the IP holders, it, then you've got something golden, and that's where the blockchain is going to be incredibly important because it can, it can then say, okay, and divert, if you will, the revenue. Okay, filmmaker X, you get this. Um. After why you get this and so on and so forth.
1: So then you're then you're seeing a couple of trends coming together. So you're seeing AI protecting what's what's um well blockchain protecting what's happening with AI, basically. Um,
2: absolutely. I, and I and I do. I, I also think it's important. Now let's let's take, let's take the other side of this coin. Let's take the dark side. So you've got a, a Barack Obama. Fake news, deep fake being reported on, or you've got uh, Trump fake news, deep fake being pushed out in the marketplace, talking about the next election. Now, again, it, on the hands of the dark uh, dark web and and deep fake and, and all that stuff. Yeah, you this is some dangerous stuff. You know, you can change voters' opinions. You can cha- you know you can really pull a fast one over the the world, right? But if you can apply blockchain technology to it and enable um, these digital pixels to have a beginning where it comes from a certified or trusted entity, then deep fakes won't work. And what I mean by that is if I am watching a uh, something that I go, you know, I'm not sure if this is true or not, and I can tap onto that image or I can, I can take a look at what what's kind of behind it and follow the blockchain to where the original source came from and if that source came from an entity that i trusted i'm going to go left and right here if you love cnn or if you love fox news as long as you can see that it came from the place that you wanted it to come from great but if you click on that image and there is no real source maybe some random source that came from moscow bakersfield Beijing, or you know, Honduras, right? Right. Just made up from some 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 kid or some group that didn't want to be known. Well, instantly that video has no value. So, what we've done, we've we've actually put a little little teeny logo on the stuff we do when we work with Heineken, Pepsi, Fox, Sony, you name it. We put a little GFT logo, and it stands for. It's really boring governance and foundational trust, and all GFT means is. We're trying to show that, hey, consumer, if you click on this, it will show you where this came from, where it originated from. And so I think that the Infinity Festival is a perfect place to get brands, IP holders, and so on and so forth together to learn as much as they can and understand that for the good or the bad of the IP, the blockchain will be able to represent or misrepresent where that content came from. And I, I like to say this in Hollywood. It's the I think it's the first time Hollywood has a shot at not being overrun and taken out by technology. And I and I use this in my meetings a lot. I, I, I point to case and point to Napsters and say, you know, Napster destroyed you, ruined you, and, and film business was destroyed by commoditizing a film. It's because Hollywood never took that first step forward. But with with the blockchain, there is a immutable trust. There is a, a foundation of provenance. There's transparency. So if the studios can get together, which ha, 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 may or may not work, <laughs> get together and say, yeah, we're, we get it. We'll run nodes. We'll manage our nodes or have companies, partners help manage our nodes so that when our content's distributed, the end user can trust that this came from us. And I think that it's, it's, it's great because now you've got consumers walking around going, I know where it came from. Whether or not it's something I believe or not believe in, at least it came from a legitimate source that I can then, that I can then at least choose to follow or not to follow. And so AI to me is an absolutely wonderful slash scary uh, piece of the future of Hollywood. And if Hollywood can marry that with trust and transparency using blockchain technology, then you got, you've got a really strong future for, you know, for content. Um, and I think, again, I go back to the Infinity Fest- Festival on this. I think that the partners, both tech and IP, are going to be really interesting to hear you know, what their takes are on it they're using the technology and so it should be exciting
1: well i mean that's such a great uh, and positive uh, layout of what could happen with all of this coming together um and do you see this rolling out also for journalism because so much of what facebook says struggling with right now you know is the disintermediation of sort of the truth
2: <laughs> uh, so, you, no you so, nailed it you, you facebook Facebook jumped into this Libra coin. Um, it's I don't I don't want to bash Facebook because they're they're doing just fine without me. But I think <laughs> if they if if their focus could be more on blockchain for trust as ba as a as as opposed to blockchain for how do we make more money, then their fake news, if you will, changes into hey because I'm I'm but personally i'm a fan of you know free speech put out whatever you want you know what i mean let let the uh, let the world figure it out but i'd like to know who put it out that you know i think that's a fair assessment or not or i'd like to know who is hiding behind some curtain that put it out and right, so because
1: that that would take care of all this russian meddling stuff too right because we'd know we
2: well we'd we know what we we would know what you don't know meaning that if some fraud or some some fake news outlet or R- Russian whatever it is puts something out if the blockchain doesn't point to an origination point then then the whole thing's uh, bogus at that point or at least for me as a reader now another reader might say i don't care I'll read anything on the internet great have at it have a blast but for a majority of people I think we're getting so sick of getting burned by and it's going to get it's going to get tremendously worse. I mean, it, it, just search on the internet right now, good deep fakes or good GANs, and you are going to see, you're going to see things that you just don't want to see, especially, especially in, the, in this porn space and places like that. So if you can take journalism and apply everything I just said to video, which can be done incredibly easy, uh, you've got a, a, a place where I think Facebook should start off at and say, hey, you want to read stuff? Click here and you can see where that thing actually came from. And that will, that will be a game changer. And I, I hope they do it. And I hope it's not just Facebook. I think Twitter should. I think, I think they all should. And I'm not saying, I don't, I don't like the idea of a police state. I, I, like, I like the idea of anonymous people posting stuff. That's, that's what makes you know, America great. That's what makes freedom of speech great. I just think that we, as the person reading it now, should say, yeah, I, not only do I, I'm happy you posted that, I'd like to know where that came from. And if they can't right. prove where it came from, then then it's up to us to say, ah, that's fraud.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I love that, too, because that's like, um, is this maritage or isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, is this champagne? What is this? Right. So, you know, go through the process of having to make sure it's real, have that stamp or whatever it is, and, and then we can all feel comfortable engaging so we all know where we stand. And,
2: you and know. And this also carries in, obviously ad tech and everything else. I mean, you know, marketers have been bamboozled by uh, these these third party, you know, CPM modules that go out and buy, you know, you know, bots are clicking on videos and and, and even Facebook scam ads. I mean, going to fake Facebook accounts. I mean, it's all a waste. It's all a joke. So, uh, when we, for example, launched our coupons and offers. We put them into a blockchain, and we turn them into actual offers. So when we work with the brands, we say, yeah, we're tying the digital spend all the way through POS to the offer, meaning that it doesn't matter if someone looked at it, did they engage and fulfill the offer? That concept should be through everything we just talked about, right? It should be through uh, journalism, right? So did the writer actually write it? Did it come from the news entity? And was it read? Right? Was it was it fulfilled by someone on the chain? If you can put, put point A to uh, A to Z on the blockchain from if it's an ad, if it's a journalistic approach, if it's a video, if it's a digital collectible, if it's a coupon, a rebate, whatever, then you've got uh, a game changer. And I, I again I can't I can't find another technology that's and the the funny part about blockchain is it's so simple. That's the greatest part. It is it's open source. It's just based on trust, transparency. That's it.
1: Well, you've sold me because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we we talked so much last year and the year before to folks you know involved with crypto and not really on the block you know not specifically about blockchain but about cryptocurrency in a variety of formats since that was like so hyped in the last year or two. So it's so nice to you know talk about how this is going to really be used to improve our world and not just a quick way to make money or some new economic scheme, but literally, you know, a whole new um way to create transparent exchange um in a in a way that makes everyone comfortable, right? Yep. yep. And it's and it's not overly complex. It just isn't.
2: No, it just it's just the 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 I think that the 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 good and the bad of the blockchain is the following. The 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 geeks that created the blockchain were genius because they they're the true libertarians. They saw the fall of the banking economies in in twenty eight. They said, uh, "We we can't have this anymore. We got to change the system. We got to be trust you know. We got to manage trust transparency through everything we do." Um, the that's great. And the but the problem with the new technology is if you stay too and I, I say too geeky, if you will. Then you start creating products that don't have a market. And so what was happening and still happening in this minute is products are being launched, sometimes with major brands attached, but are too complicated. They're just dysfunctional in nature for the masses. And that's mainly why currently today there's only about 45 million global active crypto wallets in the, in the world, which is like 0.01% of the planet uses these things. And all the crypto people still go, well, it's you know, it's doing great. You know, we're one of the fastest growing technologies, blah, 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 faster than the internet. They would be much faster if they would simply focus on what the masses need to use it for and do all these little side uh, projects and then the back and, and kind of build that out. It it reminds me a little bit of virtual reality where VR went, jumped the jumped the sharky fuel and went too deep into, uh, you know big massive expensive heavy headsets and then they tried to push it instantly on the consumers and the consumers were like they weren't ready for it right. Um, right? crypto did the wrong thing by going into what you just talked about tokens and money and blah 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 instead of saying wait a minute there's real world use cases for this we can put people on the blockchain they don't even need to know they're on the blockchain and we can really start to change things.
1: And it's so funny that you say that because um, I rarely do an interview where I have no idea what the other person is talking about and I- I mean, it's very rare. I can usually understand mostly everything. (laughs) And I had quite a few cryptocurrency conversations where I just had no idea what the other person was talking about. It was just so deep in the weeds so quickly that it was really hard. And you're right, it just is a turnoff um, to to making anything grow. So you're going to be at the Infinity Festival. I I think Voice America is going to be there as well. And hopefully um, they'll be producing Joe Dante's... um, Uh, podcast that will be there and then you're going to be doing some sessions as well can you quickly tell us with the remaining um, minutes what some of those conversations are going to be
2: yeah i think our goal is simply to educate hollywood and remove the fear that the blockchain is where illegal drugs and uh, a hidden money and tax evasion occurs, right? Oh, that's uh, too bad. <laughs> well, that's for our other panel. That's the next week. No, the, the, the goal here is is that some people still, I'll still walk into rooms and they just go, oh no, no, blockchain, that's scary. It's just like, oh God. It's just a spreadsheet that's decentralized across different people around the world. Not a big deal. In fact, don't even worry about it. Pretend I even didn't say the word blockchain. And so what we want to do is say, Hey, Hollywood. Hey, IP. A, um, uh, let me rephrase that. We're going to bring panels in that are going to teach uh, Hollywood and the IP owners. Here's how we're going to make you more money because that's what everyone wants to hear. Mm -hmm. Secondly, here's how we're going to create a legacy for um, your brands and keep that legacy intact for for forever. And then more importantly, here's some fun ways of how it's been done, what's being done now, and where it's going to go.
1: That's great. We have to wrap. Um, Jonas, we've been talking to Jonas Hudson from Greenface, who is one of the um, primary advisors at the Infinity Festival, which we are going to be doing a lot of interviews over the next three months to celebrate the Infinity Festival in Hollywood. Jonas Hudson giving us the down low on blockchain, some really positive, easy understanding concepts around uh, a transformative technology. So Jonas, thank you so much. And we'll be coming at you next week with more Infinity Festival advisors, more digging into the power of storytelling advanced by technology here on the Tech Cat Show. Thanks so much. And, and I'll be talking to all of you next week.